You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Here with you all on this Thursday, it is preview day as we are going to take a look at this Warriors and Pelicans. Pelicans matchup in the second round, tipping off this Saturday, 9.30 p.m. It's going to be a fun one, and I know New Orleans is excited. So we're going to break down the offense, the defense for you, and just kind of run down the Warriors. You guys really know who they are for the most part, but I'll give you some of the numbers behind what's made them so great this season, why they're the number two seed and such. And then tomorrow's podcast is going to come out a little bit later, but I'm doing a crossover edition with the host of Locked on Warriors. So we'll give you that on Friday. This one will be our Locked on Pels preview. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait for this this series to get started. We're going to have a lot to talk about with this one, so let's just jump right on into everything. So we really all know who the Golden State Warriors are, obviously, what their identity is, what makes them so great, and though they're the second seed in these playoffs, they're still basically the same team from the past number of years. There's been a couple of issues there, primarily injuries this year that's kind of derailed them a little bit, but I mean, they were still 58-24. They were second in the Western Conference. They'd had a gentleman sweep in the first round, winning 4-1 over the San Antonio Spurs. There's no surprise there. Depending on where you look, the ranks basically are a top three off a top 10 defense. They play incredibly fast. They're fifth, um, according to Basketball Dash Reference, a little bit uh, different when you look at the NBA stats. But they go out and they score and they limit opponents. So they're just a solid all-around team. Some of the other numbers here, if you look at things they're particularly good at. I mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. They're number one, basically, in shooting percentage in three-pointers and two-pointers, giving them the top E-field goal percentage, an E-field goal percentage of 56.9%. That factors in, for those who don't know, I use this on here, but maybe I should explain it to anyone new listening in who haven't really heard that term of effective field goal percentage before. It factors in that threes are worth more than twos, so that a a 35% E-field goal percentage is a essentially going to be a little bit better, and I'm doing a poor job of explaining this. Basically, if you shoot 30% from three, it's the equivalent of whatever it is from two-point range, given that a three is worth an extra point. So that's basically the way to kind of think about it. So they're number one there, and it's not even really close to any other team. They have a high pace. They actually don't shoot that many shots per game compared to other teams in the league. They're in the bottom five when it comes to that, but their offense is number one because they are so efficient at getting those open three-point looks and converting it. They do a good job enough of getting to the free throw line. They're right around the middle of the pack there. They're 16th when it comes to free throws divided by field goals attempted per game, so kind of a measurement rate there. They're not the best rebounding team. They're the 22nd offensive rebounding team, the 25th defensive rebounding team. That's an area where the Pels might have an advantage, but they started to wake up a little bit in that series against the San Antonio Spurs, and you saw uh, Draymond Green do some work on the offensive glass. That can potentially be a problem here because the last thing you want to do is give this team extra chances to score when they've happened to have missed a shot which isn't going to come all that often uh, against them. So that's definitely going to be an important thing there. Another area they struggle at times is they do turn the ball over a decent bit, not a ton, 
Um, but a decent bit. They have actually the 28th worst turnover percentage on offense. That's in part due to a lot of their passing. You're making a lot of passes. There's more chances for passes to get tipped and go away. And we're going to talk about the turnover battle when we start to preview the, the nitty gritty here with these two teams, because I think that's actually going to be one of the biggest keys to this series. Uh, so they turn the ball over a lot. That's a good thing. The Pelicans want to see that, particularly because they like to get out and play in transition and run. So there's another area the Pelicans might be able to really take advantage of everything. Taking a look at some of the individual numbers here, Kevin Durant's led this team this year, playing a little over 34 minutes per game, scoring 26.4 points. He was the offensive focal point during their first round win over the San Antonio Spurs, particularly without Steph Curry. Though Curry, even though he's only played 51 games this year, and he's been out of action for a little over five weeks now. That's a long time. He's still scoring also 26.4 points per game, tied for their leading score there with Durant. Um, and he's doing just the normal, Steph Curry things. Both those guys shoot over 40, uh, basically over shoot over 42% from three. So they're dangerous there. You got Clay Thompson in clocking in at an easy and even 20 points per game. He's also shooting over 44% from the three-point range here. That's not a good thing. You got Draymond Green, then it drops to 11 points per game. But he does a lot of that defensive work and makes him so effective there. This is a dude who's averaging 11 points per game, 7.6 rebounds, 7.4 assists per game. He kind of does it all for them, though he struggled shooting this year. Draymond Green is shooting just 30.1% from deep. He's not as effective there as he has been, and he struggled mightily in that series against the San Antonio Spurs, though in game five, you saw him hit two big corner threes that kind of got him going, and then he proceeded to miss like the next like four of like his six or something like that, so that's a good thing. Quinn Cook, you might remember that name, is there starting in place of Steph Curry. Started 18 games for him this year, nine and a half points per game uh, to go along with 2.7 assists. Just scoring guard in the backcourt for them. He could potentially be an issue for the Pelicans, though I'm not overly worried about it. There's another backup guard who plays limited minutes for them that I think is really going to maybe be one of the bigger keys for him this year. So continue to run everything down. You got Nick Young, who's just a straight-up gunner uh, out there who can get hot from three and bury you potentially, but this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, you'll, you'll try and make Nick Young beat you when he's out there on the court in under 20 minutes per game. You got David West, also former New Orleans player, 6.8 points per game. He split time between power forward and center, mostly as a reserve. Um, brings that toughness to this Warriors team. You guys all know David West, hopefully at this point. He does his David West things, uh, and he's going to be screaming and trying to get to the line and just playing hard defense, even though at his age, he's not nearly as effective as he used to be. Another key, and I'm sorting this by points per game here, Andre Iguodala. This is a guy who has not had the best scoring season for him so far. He shot only he's shooting a little bit over 28% from deep in the regular season, but he started to get it going in this game in this series against the Spurs and he's starting to come along and you're seeing him start out there for him. He's averaging 6 points per game, but that number's higher right now when you really look at the playoffs. You got JaVale McGee below the basket starting at center for them. Uh he's done a decent job of rim protecting though you're not really worried about it. Another guy to keep in mind is Kevin Looney. Kavon, I'm not even sure how to pronounce his first name, Looney, basically, who shows pretty strong footwork under the basket defensively. And at 6'9", though 
he's playing a lot of center, and he played the most center minutes for the Golden State Warriors in this first round series. He switches a lot and can do a good job covering smaller defenders. And his Golden State, one of their keys to it is going to probably be to neutralize Drew Holiday. Switching Looney or trapping him there might be a very good thing that you'll see them try and do. Uh, and then other than that, there's no one else you need to worry a ton other than maybe Sean Livingston. Five and a half points per game, but he's a six seven point guard. And running against a second unit like this for the Pels that lacks some size and you can't cross match as effectively on because those guys don't have quickness whatsoever really I think that might be a big key for the Golden State Warriors as well so that's a name to keep an eye on and you know those are the numbers with Golden State so let's kind of dive into the X's and O's and how things might go on offense and defense for the Pelicans as we preview this series I haven't segued into this segment without doing a reset, getting better every day, hopefully like the Pelicans are. So let's look at the Pelicans offense versus the Warriors defense and what the Warriors are going to try and do. And this Warriors team, I think first and foremost, as I just said right before we we moved over here, is they're going to look to take Drew Holiday out of this one. Holiday absolutely tore up the uh, Portland Trailblazers offensively and defensively. He got into the paint at ease. And I think you're going to see the Warriors maybe trap Holiday, kind of similar to what the Pelicans did to the Portland Trailblazers to get the ball out of his hands and force these other guys to beat them. They know Anthony Davis is going to go out and get his. You're not going to take him out of the game or even neutralize him. Though for the most part in that series against San Antonio, the Spurs did a good job of making LaMarcus Aldridge work for his points. He scored and was huge in that game five when he took over the fourth quarter and almost maybe won that game for him. But ultimately, the Warriors won out and ended the series and they wasn't able to keep it going. But Looney and McGee did a good job of making him work. Anthony Davis ain't going to need to work as hard as he did. So I think that's definitely going to be a good thing for the Pels. He's going to get his. So they know this. You're going to try and take away Drew Holiday and force these other guys to beat you. Miritich, Solomon Hill, who's going to be huge or need to be huge in this series for New Orleans. Each one more. Those are the type of guys they want taking the shots along with playoff Rondo. Rondo was fantastic against the Portland Trailblazers, but I think you're going to look at Golden State being like, if Rondo beats us, Rondo beats us, because he's not going to go up and score 30, 35 like the Pelicans are going to need out of Drew Holiday. He might get others involved, but if those guys aren't hitting their shots, he's not going to get his assist, and it's not going to work because you need to shoot in this series. So I think you're going to see Golden State key in on Drew Holiday, trap him with maybe Looney alongside Klay Thompson, who's likely going to be the matchup there for him. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things. As I said earlier, McGee does a decent job of defending the uh, rim, but he's no match for Anthony Davis, who's going to get inside and score. If you look at this past matchup these two teams played in Oracle back on April 7th, Anthony Davis had 22 points in the paint just himself on that one, got to the foul line 10 times because he was forcing these defenders to have to double him, and he got fouls out of it, and it was a it, they were able to kind of do that. And I think that's really what you need to see. Golden State's good defensively. They're very good. And with Iggy coming on and playing as well as he has recently, being a bit of a disruptive force, he gets his arms in those passing lanes. And the Pelicans need to limit turnovers and get some easy offense to try and avoid situations like this. Getting to the foul line and drawing contact, something they're not very good at doing, becomes even more imperative. But you saw Drew Holiday start to do it in game four against the Portland Trailblazers. There was that one play late in the fourth where he went right in to Nurkic's body, picked up the foul and went to the line when usually he tries to avoid that and just get an easy finish at the rim by kind of dancing and 
darting around opponents. If they're all attacking like that, I think you've got to feel good about maybe this team keeping up scoring wise with the Golden State Warriors. You know, it's it's so I think that's going to be something that's going to be very key for them here. And this ties into the Pelicans' mindset that they need to be aggressive and attack. You can score in the paint on Golden State. They trot out those small, you know, the death lineups, let's call them, that have been known. And you can get into the paint and score against them. They do a very good job of switching and trying limiting you in that one-on-one defensive situation. But you can definitely get into the paint and score. And if they're trapping Drew Holiday... Off-ball movements gotta be key. That's how you beat the trap. Quick passes to guys that are cutting because someone's gonna be open when someone's double-teamed and that's gonna be the big thing there. If Holiday gets trapped, you gotta get hit someone else and then they've gotta either move and get the ball to AD or go to the rim and score or hit an open three-pointer to punish the Golden State Warriors for doing this. We see New Orleans capable of doing it. Miritich is gonna be key on this. Setting picks that maybe Holiday can get around and then you can't trap him coming off of that pick-and-roll screen because Miritich has been so good from the outside recently that that you've got to stick a man on him or if you do stick a man on him someone else is going to be open there because you've committed three defenders to two guys I think that's really going to be a lot of the key to this New Orleans can score this is going to be tough though because you still have Draymond Green who matches up well with Anthony Davis who can kind of rotate over and defend a little bit I think you'll also see um, McGee do that Looney do that Clay Thompson's going to be on Holiday and that's going to be a really fun matchup from the get-go but Holiday's done a good job of blowing by that first man and the Pelicans have done a good job of springing him free beating those traps that I think we're going to see is going to be hugely important for the Pelicans because if they can do that, this offense might be putting up 120 to 130 a night because I don't know what else Golden State's going to necessarily try and do. They struggled at times defensively this year, tightening it up for the playoffs, but they haven't seen a team coming in this hot to Oracle like the New Orleans Pelicans are right now. An area where the Pelicans really can try and take advantage on offense, though it's not really part of their DNA, their their identity, but they're going to need to do this, particularly if they're down by 15 or so points in any game, if they want to have a chance of coming back into this one, is going to be hitting that offensive glass. You know, Golden State likes to get out and transition and run. So rather than really focusing on defensive rebounding a ton, and they let Green kind of handle that below the basket himself, they want to leak out and try and get in transition for those easy scoring opportunities. Well, if you're down 15, you don't need to try and get back and defend them a little bit more because you're getting your asses kicked anyway. So you may as well hit that offensive glass, try and get second chance points and try and claw your way back in there and make every possession matter rather than getting into a run and gun shootout. New Orleans can do that against a lot of teams. You're not going to do that against Golden State, particularly if Steph Curry's in and Steph Curry's healthy. That's going to be a big problem there. So you've got to hit that offensive glass. That's maybe how you can kind of get back into this one with those second chance opportunities. And then it takes Golden State out of the offense and what they want to do, that rhythm. And I think that's a very big way where you can get some easy points because In a series like this where it's somewhat close or you're trying to keep it close, you can keep it close by getting an extra 8 to 10 points in second chance opportunities. So before I talk about what the Pelicans need to do on the defensive side, let's talk about turnovers because this kind of fits in between offense and defense. And the turnover battle in this series is going to be gigantic. I think this really might decide 
what happens here. Back in their game on April 7th, the final game that these two teams played in the regular season, that Pelicans win in Oracle without Steph Curry, mind you, but a game that New Orleans was really trying to win, and Golden State, even more so, was trying to win. They wanted to go into the postseason with more momentum than they had. The Pelicans won that turnover battle, losing the ball only eight times compared to 17 for Golden State. That right there is why New Orleans won. You limit those transition opportunities that Golden State wants to get out and do. They are the best transition team in terms of efficiency and points per possession and number of possessions of it per game by far. It's not really even close. Portland on the other side is actually the exact opposite of them and does it the fewest Uh, points per possession and the least amount of times per game. So you can see the contrast and styles that New Orleans is going to have to shift from in this game, meaning their game plan that they used against Portland isn't going to work in this one. But turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. You don't turn the ball over. They're not going to get out and run nearly as much. They have to inbound the ball if they have to take it out of the bottom of their own net. That is going to be huge in this series. The Pelicans had some unforced errors against Portland that gave Portland easy offensive points in transition and made some of those games a little bit closer than they should have. New Orleans should have run away with a few of those, but untimely turnovers, just mental mistakes, kept Portland hanging around enough in this series a little bit, but New Orleans was ultimately able to overcome that. You're not going to be able to overcome that against the Golden State Warriors. Got to control the ball, not be sloppy with it, and not give them easy opportunities. It's an empty trip for you and basically a guaranteed two points for Golden State. So make sure you listen to tomorrow's Locked on Pelicans going to be doing a crossover with the hosts of Locked on Warriors. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun and I can't wait. We're going to chop it all up and this is going to be a pretty fun one. Not sure what time that's going to come out. We're recording at 9 a.m. Central and it should be out fairly soon after that. So keep an eye out for it. But even easier, just subscribe to Locked on Pelicans. It alerts you on your phone then when the podcast is out. Get it the second it posts. You want to be the smartest fan around and this is how you're going to do it by listening to today's podcast and tomorrow's crossover edition of Locked on Pelicans. So how does New Orleans match up with this juggernaut of an offense that is the Golden State Warriors? And for this, we're just going to assume Steph Curry's in. Yeah, he might not play in game one, but I'm expecting him back at game two at the latest. And let's just pretend he's full speed and prep for it that way. Because if he's not, then it's a little just kind of a lanyap situation for the Pelicans. But it's easier to talk about this rather than look at two situations with everything. Um, So this is interesting because when you look at Golden State and kind of break them down by different ways that you can score in a game, obviously we've talked about how good they are in transition. They're an elite pick and roll ball handling team as well, tops in the league in points per possession, though they do it kind of on the fewer side of things. But when they do run pick and rolls, which again, they just rather would run in transition and do it that way, they are very good at scoring. So the Pelicans need to keep that in mind. Um, That's the other way they kind of tend to do it. They do it very well off of screens. So cuts and backdoor cuts and things like that, pin downs, what have you, to spring people open for open shots in different ways like that. They're a decent spot up shooting team. Basically, all that they do is very good, except for one area. And that's, they're not the best isolation team and they don't do it as much that's at least maybe where they're the most vulnerable for this sort of situation scoring under one point per possession during that type of play so that's really where maybe you can take advantage of what new orleans is going to look to do in this one 
which of course is easier said than done. So the way I think you're going to see people match up is I think assuming Curry's playing, you'll see Rondo matched up against him. You'll have Drew Holiday on Clay Thompson. I think you'll see then each one more to start with on Kevin Durant, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see Davis handle that a little bit at times along with Holiday. And this is going to touch on switching in a second here. Then I think you put Miritich on green and then Davis on whoever's playing center. I think that's the easiest thing to do at the start. But by doing that, you have a lot of positional versatility there. Kevin Durant sets a lot of those picks for Curry and Thompson, and all of a sudden then you can have Holiday switch onto him because switching, switching, switching is going to be key to this series, which is good because that's normally what the Pelicans do defensively, and that's what you want to see from him here. They went with an unorthodox game plan for themselves against the Portland Trailblazers, and now you can kind of just go back to doing what you do best. When they do run the pick and roll, which isn't a ton, but I think you're going to see it more, particularly if you're not turning the ball over in this one and not giving them those transition options opportunities, you can switch and it gives you Drew Holiday on Kevin Durant. It gives you Davis on Durant or what have you there for how these guys are being defended. And, you know, then you maybe trap off of that, but you switch and you keep these guys in front of you and you take away those passes. Holiday can get his arms in those passing lanes as well as Iguodala can and different things like that. You try and force these guys to beat you one-on-one. Take away their passes by clamping down on your man on the perimeter. They'll try and cut behind you, but that's okay because JaVale McGee, Looney, or whoever is playing center for this team is so... uh, not a threat that you can have Anthony Davis there who will rotate off of him. And if you hear a cat in the background, we're house sitting and that is the cat Sugar. Say hi, everybody. Sugar's saying hi to you guys. Um, so sorry for that. And she's probably going to run in the room. My dog's going to freak out. And then we're just going to have kind of this, I don't like fight going on here in the background, but we're going to roll with it. This is good content, right? So So Anthony Davis, who's one of the better help defenders in the league, by not really having a threat for him to guard, and if JaVale McGee beats you, JaVale McGee beats you, and you're not worried about that, it's not going to happen multiple games, kind of the same approach they took with, you know, Al Farouk Aminu and Evan Turner and those guys. So he can rotate over and meet whoever gets blown by on a cut, gets the ball at the rim, and try and block him. I think that's really going to be one of the keys here. You clamp down on the perimeter on your man. He runs by you because they like to cut and they like that off-ball movement. You can at least maybe force a pass away if you stick with him, or Anthony Davis just rotates over and meets him at the rim, blocks their shot, and then you get to go out and run. I think that's going to be really one of the biggest ways that the Pelicans are going to look to kind of play this defense. You know, the other way might be to get the ball into a guy like Iguodala or Draymond Green's hands. They haven't shot particularly well this year. That's the guys that you want to kind of force you to, you know, make you pay a little bit. You don't want it being Curry going off, Clay Thompson going off, Kevin Durant going off. Dur- I mean, Durant's going to go off. This is how the Warriors aren't really worried about Anthony Davis because he's just going to go and get his. So is Durant, who scored 40 points in that final game these two teams played. And at seven feet, he can get his shot off over anybody in the league, and there's not much you can do there. So that's going to kind of be, I think, what the Pelicans are going to look to do. Force the ball into those guys' hands. Give them a little bit of space by sagging off to to take away the drives from these other players and force them to hit those open shots against you. And if they do, they do. And you move on because you can play the odds and the percentages here or force the Warriors into this isolation ball. You saw it late in that game when the Pelicans took on the Warriors in Oakland in that final game between the two teams in the regular season. You had Durant trying to go iso hero ball that doesn't involve many passes, doesn't involve ball movement, misdirection, anything like that. And the Pelicans have strong one-on-one defenders and Rondo who stripped 
him at one point, and Holiday, who handled him for the most part late in the fourth quarter in that game. I think when you're looking at it there, you have a very good chance. Another guy you're going to need to rely on at times because Moore's going to get torched at times by Durant. You're going to need to have someone like Drew Holiday harassing the backcourt of Curry and Thompson, along with Quinn Cook potentially there too. You're going to need Solomon Hill to draw that assignment at times to give them just a bit of a break because if they're trying that hard on defense, it's going to hurt their offense. He's got the lateral quickness to keep up. We've seen Hill, though, not be very effective on offense in that Portland Trailblazer series. He hasn't looked great on defense, but you need something out of him. And hopefully this past week and getting in those playoff games really kind of woke him up and got him into a little bit more game shape because like I said, you just got to get him out there and you're going to need to do at least slow Durant down and stay in front of him. The very least, don't let him get behind you and score at the rim. If he's going to shoot jumpers over you, that's okay. He's good at shooting mid-range jumpers, but you'll take that over a shot at the rim over or over an open three-pointer. And I think you'd like to see that at the very least. So that's going to be a guy that's going to need to step up along with more and the rest of these role players to hit their shots because you know they're going to take Drew Holiday out of this game because they are worried about him as they should be. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Sorry for the cat talking to you guys, all the construction around me. As you know, I live in a construction zone basically right now, and it is not a lot of fun. So tomorrow, crossover edition. Make sure you subscribe to the pod so you know when it drops. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to talk dive into depth with the, about this series uh, with Aliko Carter, the host of the Locked On Warriors podcast. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.